Welcome to Buzzed with Brian. I am your host, Brian. We're going to talk about beer, the history, and drinking. All right, beer fans, welcome back to another episode of Buzz with Brian. As always, so happy to see you here each and every week, and thanks for tuning in. If you can, take a moment, you know, write a review, maybe give me a rating, give me a follow or a like on my social media, really appreciate that. Um, this week, we are diving into the Rattler, so we did the Shandy a few weeks back with episode 023, so if you have not checked out that episode already, please do, because there's a lot of similar characteristics in the styles today, but the history could not be any different, so I'm really excited to dive into it. But first, we are sponsored by Bicycles. That's right, a great summertime activity. Make sure you have your helmet, though. Safety first, folks. Get out there, ride your bike, maybe to your favorite brewery, stop by, and then ride home, but like I said, be safe, have your helmet, have your lights. On today's episode, we are going back to Potosi Brewing Company. That's right. If you haven't listened to the Shandy episode already, please do because we cover the history of Potosi Brewing Company in that episode and I won't touch on it much today. And we are going to feature their Riverside Rattler. So really looking forward to that. The second beer we have on the lineup is the Whole Hog Brewery, which is kind of a subcomponent of Stevens Point Brewing Company. We will have their Raspberry Sorbet Double Rattler. So that's right. We have a single Rattler and a Double Rattler. Honestly, don't know if I've ever seen a Double Rattler before. Also, I've never had either of these beers today. So really looking forward to it. Without further ado, on to the show. All right. So today we have the Rattler style. And I think this is something that is not overly popularized. We see a lot more Shandy branding out there than we do the Rattler. And I think that's a shame because... The Rattler style is actually really, really neat. Unlike the Shandy, the Rattler is thought to be a little less alcoholic even. The characteristic of it is going to be anywhere from 2 to 4.5%. So today, we, like I said, we have a double Rattler today. So that's going to be exceeding that, but I think the other one it will be just within that style. Um, the Rattler is also going to have that component of we're mixing something with beer, right? So just as I said on the Shandy episode, if you're making a homemade Rattler, I think it's appropriate to start off with a 50-50 ratio of beer to non-beer. Typically, again, you're going to want to pick something that's more wheat-based ale that's going to give you a light malty flavor with a nice crisp finish, which will complement the fruit, most likely fruit addition that you're going to put in the beer. But the great thing is, if you want a little less beer, a little more soda, go ahead, change it up. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So that brings us to our last part of the characteristic of this style. What exactly are we mixing? What makes this different from a Shandy? What makes a Rattler a Rattler? And traditionally speaking, unlike the Shandy, which we talked about, has a ginger beer or ginger ale mixture traditionally. Obviously now it's more lemon. The Rattler traditionally is actually the lemonade or citrus soda variety. And out on the market, you'll see lots of grapefruit additions in something that's branded as a Rattler. And I think that's totally appropriate and falls in line with the citrus soda. So with that, let's get on to some history. For today's style history, I'm actually really excited to tell the tale. We have one of those cute stories that really just makes you excited about the style and you're like, huh, that's actually really cool. I didn't know that's where it came from. So grain of salt here though, we do have the most commonly accepted origin story. However, there is not much proof to support or deny it. So take this story for what it's worth. We are going to go back to Munich, Germany, or just outside of Munich, in June of 1922. So we are celebrating the centennial of this style, which I think is very, very cool. So get a Rattler and enjoy the 100th birthday of this style of beer. (laughs) Um, So as I was saying, 
Munich, Germany in 1922 in the peak of the summer, there was once an innkeeper by the name of Franz Kugler. Franz was an eccentric man, and he looked to draw crowds at his inn. He would host sack races, horse races, and eventually wanted to cash in on the bicycle boom that was happening in the early 1900s. Everyone was out there buying bikes, you know, hopefully wearing their helmets, probably not because it was the 1900s and concussions weren't real back then, but moving forward, back to beer. So he started to carve a bike path straight through the forest by his inn, connecting him directly to central Munich. Legend goes that one day his tavern drew a crowd of over 13,000 people. That's right, 13,000. I don't know how they all fit in there. I'm imagining a very packed, densely packed sardine can. Hopefully he had a very large outdoor beer garden space. But he drew that many people as they were making their stop on their bicycles that day. With this massive surge of people, Franz was starting to worry. And he thought, man, I might run out of my supply of ale today. And this is when the idea came in he started to cut his beer with this extra stockpile of it's either lemonade or lemon citrus soda that wasn't selling. He's like, I got all this stuff that's not selling or moving. I'm running out of beer because people want beer. Let's just put them together. So the product that he created was a treat that kept bikers just flocking back to his inn on summer days after this. And eventually the Radler style became known as the Radler style because in German, Radler translates to cyclist. That's right, it could be that simple. All these bicyclists were coming to Franz's Inn to get this tasty treat, and voila, we have our name. The Radler style was born. All right, we are back this week with Potosi Brewery in Potosi, Wisconsin, yet again. So like I said, if you've already listened to episode 023 when I did the shandy, you already got my little brief overview of the Potosi Brewery history. So you're like, Brian, what are we going to talk about today? There is something also very cool that I did leave out about the Potosi Brewery, and that is the National Brewery Museum is attached to the building. This is a joint venture space between the Potosi Foundation and the American Breweriana Association, or the ABA. And you might recall that the Potosi Foundation is the nonprofit group that helped to restore and reopen the brewery, you know, starting in 2001 and officially in 2008. The ABA is also a nonprofit and they're education and historical corporation based, and they were founded in 1982. The ABA is the national chapter. Their goal is to advance public knowledge in brewing and breweriana, serve historians and collectors, and preserve the memories and artifacts of American historic breweries. And certainly with Potosi, you have that there. It is one of the oldest breweries in the U.S., and it's a really, really cool museum. I've stopped in twice myself. Um, It only costs $5. It's self-guided. It's across multiple floors. The two times I've been, actually the first time I went, I kind of got lost in all of the stuff there was to read on the walls, and I spent a good three hours there just kind of sifting from the top floor to the bottom floor and looking at all the things they have. With that, they have a lot of um, both pre-prohibition to all the way modern era memorabilia, advertising material, bottles, cans, various other collectibles, brewing equipment. Um, It's a really, really neat space, and it's also cool because, like I said, I've been twice a lot of what they have in there is from private donors and it's a rotating kind of stock of things to look at. So you might stop in one year, you might stop in the next year and you're going to see different stuff. And I think that's really, really cool. So with that, please do go to Potosi Brewery, check out the brewery and check out the National Brewery Museum that's attached to it. It's really, really neat space and it's great entertainment for only $5. 
So with that, let's um, move on to the beer we have for today. All right, we have arrived at the beer drinking part of this episode. We are enjoying the Potosi Riverside Rattler first. We are drinking out of a 12-ounce can for this one. It is weighing in at 4.2%, so definitely on the upper end for the Rattler. As I mentioned earlier in the show, Rattlers can be down near the 2.5%, 3%, you know, basically drinking water. <laughs> but this one's got a little bravado to it. It's a very nice uh, pink can. I think Potosi does a very good job of keeping their labeling very uniform throughout their whole lineup. Um, it is advertising it that it has the grapefruit that is refreshing citrusy twist on it. So with that, let's get on to the pour. All right, so this beer is pouring out a very, I mean, almost like straw-like color. There's a lightness to the yellow. And if I really take a deep look and the light's kind of hitting it a certain way, I feel like I see some pink hues in there. I'm not sure if I'm just imagining that or if I'm actually seeing that because of the grapefruit, but I'm almost, I'm going to say I'm seeing some pink hues. Um, There's very little foam head on this. It really has like no carbonation to speak of in the beer. I mean, it's there, but it's it's a very lightly carbonated beer. Um, So let's get in for a smell, shall we? Wow, that's oh, that's not what I was expecting. Uh, very yeast forward. Um, there's some banana esters in there, clove. Hold on, one more. Yeah, just a splash of citrusy grapefruit on the end. That is not what I was expecting, but I, I dig it. So let's get into this first sip. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, that's easy. One more. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's so great. That's, that's actually really well done. So yes, the nose didn't lie. I'm getting a lot of those yeast ester tones carrying through on the first sip. Um, it's very reminiscent of the Hefeweizen style. It's giving me those kind of vibes. And as you may recall, I recently went over that style in episode 020. So check that out if you have not. It's a really neat history behind the Hefeweizen. But yeah, there's definitely some banana that rolls into clove. And it's just kind of packed with a layer of a tart grapefruit citrus. And I, I really, really enjoy it. So let me get one more sip here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that grapefruit flavor just continues to just really resonate and dominate at the end of this beer on my palate. And actually, it continues to linger on the tongue so much that it's almost approaching a pineapple-like flavor toward the end. I don't know if anyone else would get that, but that's kind of what I'm getting. It's like transitioning from like grapefruit to tropical, and I, I really, really like that. Um, very light body that wants to you know keep inviting you back to take another sip for more and more. Um, overall, great balance between the yeast and the citrus flavors. And honestly, the more I drink this, I haven't mentioned it yet, but there is the wheat profile to this beer is there. It is. It's worth noting that yes, a lot of these other flavors are dominating, but there is still very wonderful wheat backbone to this beer. Um, the drinkability, I think this is easy going. I think if you're a novice to the beer game and if you like grapefruit, if you like some of these banana ester tones, you would really enjoy this beer. And I could see this almost being like an aperitif to enjoy before dinner, to kind of cleanse the palate, get it ready to have a nice, wonderful meal. And uh, with that, I'm going to keep enjoying this and we'll get on to our next beer. All right, next up we have Whole Hog Brewery, which is in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, and it's actually attached to Stevens Point Brewery. 
Um, for those of you who don't know, Stevens Point Brewery is a pretty large brewery, also one of the more older breweries in the state and the U.S. in general. Um, I won't cover the history of Stevens Point Brewery today. I'll save that for a future episode when I feature one of their beers specifically. Whole Hog itself is actually a sub-branch off of Stevens Point Brewery. It started in 2009. The goal of the Whole Hog brand for Point Brewery was to allow their brewmaster to really express the art behind craft beer. They wanted to create, quote-unquote, big beers in small batches. Beers that would appeal to even the most discerning craft beer aficionado and round out the portfolio of beverage Stevens Point Brewery offered and provided. So I think that's a very nice kind of symbiotic relationship of we want to make our brewer happy and they can create new and exciting stuff and things that we maybe don't have in our normal lineup. And we want to keep up with the customer's needs and what they want and what they want to see on the market and what we can offer them. Um, the brand as a whole has done very well for itself, accumulating hardware at the Great American Beer Festival in, in Colorado, the U.S. Beer Open, and other national and international competitions. One of the more sought-after beers, we're not doing it today, maybe down the road, but one of the more sought-after beers from the Whole Hog branch of Potosi is their Pumpkin Ale. That beer first rolled out in 2011, and it's decorated with hardware from the Great American Beer Festival. Um, that includes a gold in 2012 and 2019, a silver in 2018, and a bronze in 2014 and 2021. I mean, wow. Talk about a beer dominating the pumpkin style for basically the last decade that it's been out. The beer that we are having today, I won't say too much, but it is also a medalist at the U.S. Beer Open. So with that, let's get into the beer. All right, moving on to our second beer. As I just said, it is the 2021 U.S. Open Silver Medalist winner, and it is a double Rattler. This beer is weighing in at 5.5%, so it is exceeding the normal Rattler style characteristic with ABV, but I think that's appropriate if they're going to advertise it as a double Rattler. And for something to be a double and still only 5.5%, that just shows you that the Rattler really isn't that strong to begin with. I am drinking out of a 12-ounce bottle today, and it is a special bottle. The bottle is named the Raspberry Sherry. The story behind this is that very recently, the Stevens Point Brewery owner, James Weichman, just made a generous donation to have his private collection of Jules Sherry posters to the Milwaukee Art Museum. And these bottles are supposed to coincide his two passions of artwork and beer together and help support the exhibit that is being put on at the Milwaukee Art Museum. Um, for those of you who don't know, including myself, I had to look this up, <laughs> Jules Charest is a famous French artist that lived from 1836 to 1932. In the late 19th century, his posters lit up the streets of Paris with their striking designs, bold colors, and alluring fonts. And a lot of that carries over to the label of this bottle because it is um, supposed to depict some of his artwork and it's very eye-catching, very inviting, and it's very cool to look at. Um, when you look up the normal part of this beer, it's a very standard label that kind of coincides with the rest of the whole hog brand, but this is a special bottle. You will find these bottles out available this summer of 2022 that will coincide and celebrate the donation he made to the Milwaukee Art Museum. If you are interested in checking out the Jules Chere collection, you can go visit Milwaukee and see it at the Art Museum. It is available now through the middle of October, and that was kind of the point for James here, the owner of Stevens Point Brewery, he wanted to kind of combine his two passions of his artwork collection and the beer he brews and celebrate the two together. So with that, let's get on to this pour.
Okay, so as we have our second beer pouring out here, this one is definitely a definitive gold color. It has a some pinkish notes in here. I think more definitively than the Riverside Rattler when I was confused if I was seeing any pink notes. But I think I'm definitely seeing some pink notes in this one. The clarity here is definitely, it's, it's clear to cloudy. There's a little bit of sediment in here that I'm maybe seeing. Um, so let's bring our nose up for a little aroma. Wow, <laughs> that's that's nice. So definitely some notes of raspberry, um, sherbet mixed with just, I mean, it's a very nostalgic dessert-like aroma. And I'm just going to get right into the sip. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, one more. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's a very rich, um, I'm going to say like a tangy raspberry-like presence. Uh, mixed with just kind of a berry medley in general. Let me get one more sip on this. Yeah, I mean, that's very rich. Very dessert forward. There's notes of like vanilla and dairy on the back that kind of just tie it all together. That mix well with the, the richness of the raspberry, the extra berry flavors that I'm getting. Um, there's definitely like a smooth, soft, creamy mouthfeel to this. And it's a fairly filling body. Um, which I think brings me to, you know, the balance. It's a dessert-forward drink, like I said. And drinkability, I think you have to like raspberry. You have to kind of like that creaminess. Otherwise, it might not be the beer for you. Conversely, compared to the Riverside Rattler, this is definitely not an aperitif, but definitely a light treat to be enjoyed post-meal um, after you're done eating. So I'm going to continue to enjoy my dessert here, as this is my second beer, and we'll get on to some ratings. So today, I think I'm having a little bit of a hard time putting a number to both of these beers for the ratings, but of course, we will still be 025, and this is my first time drinking both of these beers, as I previously mentioned, and they're both really great. I enjoyed both of them. So we'll start off with the Riverside Rattler from Potosi. I really enjoyed the yeast component of that beer, some of that banana ester, some of those cloves that shine through. I thought it was a great before dinner beer, something that was very approachable for a lot of people, and for that reason, I think I'm going to settle with a 4.25 out of 5. Very strong score, very solid for the style. Well done, Potosi, on the Rattler this week. Moving on to the double Rattler that we had, the Raspberry Sorbet, and this is part of my struggle here. You know, it's a double Rattler, it's more alcohol, but to me, a Rattler should be something that's a little more citrusy, something a little more juicy, something that's a little more refreshing that you can drink on a hot summer day, and I was really struggling with this being a dessert beer. You know, and you know me, I don't always go for dessert for beers that can kind of put a, a bad taste in my mouth, but it was really well done. But considering the Rattler style, like if I was just rating this beer, it'd be, it'd be a great score. It'd be right up there with the Potosi beer. But considering that it was a little too much dessert for this style of beer, I'm going to drop it down to a 3.5 out of 5. So that's a 4.25 for the Potosi Riverside Rattler, a 3.5 for the Raspberry Sorbet, and that's a review. All right, beer fans, that brings us to the end of today's episode. Had a really great time telling the tale of the Rattler and enjoying another great summer beer and drinking the two beers we had on the show today, of course. Um, if you're looking to find both of these beers out in the wild, first up we had Potosi Brewing Company, and as I mentioned in episode 023, you can find their beers pretty much all across the state of Wisconsin as well as into Iowa and Illinois. Next up we had Whole Hog Brewery, the sub-branch of Stevens Point Brewing Company. 
And this one, they have a beer finder on their website. Of course, you can find Stevens Point beers all across the state. The whole hog sub brand might be a little harder to find, but use that beer finder on their website. To wrap things up today, as always, if you find yourself at any of these breweries today that I reviewed, or even any of the breweries on the previous episodes, tell them that, hey, Buzz with Brian talked about you, said some nice things, and I heard you have some really nice beer. As always, you can also follow me on my social media. I'll continue to be very active there moving into the fall. Also, please give me a like, a follow, subscribe, and write a review. I find that very helpful for me, and I think that'd be great to continue to grow this podcast via that way. If you'd like to reach me directly and have an idea for the show or want me to review a specific beer, email me at buzzedwithbrian at gmail.com. With that, can't wait to get back on to the mic again here soon with you all, and enjoy another beer. Cheers, beers. Cheers, beers.